We are in the sermon series entitled uh, Ears to Hear, and we're going to, I'm going to read this verse for you, these verses for you here today, and then we'll have our missionaries come up in a minute. It's uh, Luke chapter 8 is where our text is from, and um, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples and talking to a multitude of people, and uh, we pray for that for our missionaries, that they'll be able to speak to multitudes the way Jesus did. Verse 4, it says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come from every city, he spoke by a parable. He said, A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Everybody say, let us hear. That wasn't loud enough. Everybody say, let us hear. hear. I don't think God heard you. I want you to say it one more time. Say, let us hear. hear. There you go. Now we can hear. I can hear you now. Verse 9. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see, and by hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. The devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and have no root, who believe a little while, and in time of temptation they fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those when they have heard go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell amongst the good ground are those having heard the word of God with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Verse 16, no one when he has a lamp covers it with a vessel and puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Pay attention to that. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's telling them, Take heed how you hear. For whosoever has, to him will much will to him more will be given, and to whomever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. Wouldn't you love that kind of crowd at Bethesda? Every seat full, people standing in the foyer, people downstairs and us running the speaker down to them. Amen? Wouldn't it be awesome to have an overflow crowd at Bethesda? Uh, we We could be there if we invite people to come and we preach Jesus. Amen? And they... And it was told him by some of them who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered and said to them, My brothers, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus is saying his family is people that hear the word of God. He tells them to hear, right? We all said it together a while ago in unison. Then he tells them, Be careful how you hear. Now he tells them that his true family or his true brothers and sisters is those who hear the word of God. Everybody say, and, 
and do it. So it's not just hearing alone. Sure, we're training our ears to hear, but the end product is actually doing something with what we hear and not just standing and, and holding on to account of what we want and how we want it, but when God speaks, we listen and we try to hear what he says, but not only hear only, but then we try to do it. Um, so the, the sermon that I wrote down at the uh, end of last year when we come to this point for the Ears to Hear sermon series for today was in Acts chapter 16. It's a place where the Apostle Paul uh, speaks to uh, the people that he's going to these regions, and Paul is a missionary. The Apostle Paul was a missionary. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, so a lot of the books of your Bible, like the Romans and Ephesians and Philippians, Colossians, Galatians, uh, Thessalonia, uh, Timothy, Titus. Paul writes all those books of the New Testament, but he's a missionary. So he's a missionary that's traveling and preaching about Jesus and trying to teach the world about Jesus. But he goes to these places that's outside of his norm. It's not the normal for a Jewish person to travel the world and see the rest of the world. They was pretty much encompassed by their region and they only stayed where they was at because they were so ingrained in their tradition, so ingrained in their own culture that they didn't uh, go out very much. But Apostle Paul, when Jesus come in his heart, when he was going to Damascus that day, uh, burst something on the inside of him that said, you must go tell the whole world, the Gentiles too. And it would be like us going to tell people we don't like very much. So there's people that Americans don't like very much. Whatever. Maybe they're a different ethnic group. Maybe they're different. Uh, they don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't talk like us. And we've got all these uh, stigmas that we place on people, and we won't tell them about Jesus because we don't like them. Paul had to break those barriers down, and, and Jesus told him, you're going to talk to Gentiles. He didn't want to hear that. Amen? Jewish people didn't want to hear that. It's kind of like today. What you're going to hear, you might not like it. But guess what? You're going to hear it anyway. You know why? Because God wants you to. Be careful how you hear. Amen? Listen to the voice of God. But when you hear the voice of God, you've got to do it. So Apostle Paul, he was going out through here one day, and he, he ran across this young man. And it's all of our, our intentions where if we go out as missionaries, you're always like, man, I need some helpers, right? I don't want to go alone. I don't want to be alone in my mission. I want to go, and I want to have somebody with me. So Paul runs across this guy named Timothy. He's like, man, this young guy, and he's a believer, and he's got his grandma Eunice, and, and his mom uh, taught him the scriptures, and man, it's awesome. I found Timothy. So he takes him. He says, Timothy, we're going to go over here. And then uh, in the middle of that night, when he lays down to go to sleep, the Lord appears to him, and it's a vision. And in the vision, there's a guy there in Acts chapter 16. You can go read this, verses 6 through 10, that it says that the apostle Paul's there in the middle of the night. In this vision, the guy says, I'm from Macedonia. You have to come over here. You need to come and tell me about what you know about Christ. And Apostle Paul has already got his mind made up where he's going. So he's got to decide, what am I going to do with what I've just heard? How am I going to apply what I listen to? I was glad Josiah prayed that prayer a minute ago. So help us to hear something through the message today that will apply to our heart and our lives. How awesome is that coming from a teenager? Amen? Apply it to our hearts, God. So Paul, he's like, he wakes up the next morning, he's like, we can't go that way. Well, why not? I thought that was our mission, Paul. You, you told us we was going over here. God said last night we can't go. 
but we already had plans. So it's kind of like us. What if God tells us today to go to Long John Silver's instead of uh, uh, the hog trough, right? What are we going to do with it? Where we hear it, you better do what God tells you to do, right? So we need to listen to what God says and actually do it. That's what Paul did. So in preaching this message, I could go on forever because I've been a pastor for 10 years, and I, I could preach unless it gets on me every week when I leave. You've got to get shorter. You've got you to shorten it down a little bit. I try my best. I really do. I promise I do. But today, I wanted us to bring a real-life example of Acts chapter 16. So I can preach about it all day. I want us to see a real-life example about what it's like for somebody to hear God and actually do something with it. So that's why we invited the missionaries here today. And they're going to come. So there's a verse. It's in James. It says, uh, I think it's James chapter 1. It says, be not hearers only of the word, but be you doers of the word. So we don't just want to hear. I do want to hear from God, don't you? How many wants to pray? God, speak to me. Let me hear your voice. But when he speaks, we need to hear it, how we hear it, but then we need to actually do it. And this is going to be a picture of actually doing it. Let's welcome our missionaries as they come and give us the message today. All right, let's see if uh, this technology will cooperate with us this morning. Give me a second. I had to finagle it earlier to get this to work. There we go. So good morning, everyone. I am Josh, and this is my wife, Erin. And we are the McCoins, and we are Kentucky's newest missionary associates. We've just recently begun our itineration process, and we are working towards being uh, missionaries in Japan for two years. Um, a little bit of background information about us. Uh, we are from Kentucky. She was born in Shepherdsville. I was born in Frankfurt. We are currently living in Frankfurt. We both went to Campbellsville University. I graduated with a media degree, and she graduated with a missions degree. Um, we felt called to be missionaries in Japan in 2014. And since then, we have been pursuing that. Um, we have about six years of children's slash youth ministry between us, and I have five years of professional media experience. And we've been taking Japanese lessons for the past year. And in those Japanese lessons, we have, um, our teacher charged us with making something to apply our lessons, and she charged us with making a little cooking show. So I thought we would show that with you all to give you a little um, taste of what we do and just kind of who we are. Okay, well, we might, not, we might have to skip that, <laughs> but I promise you it's really funny. Um, when we get to Japan, we'll be serving at Scuba International Christian Assembly, uh, abbreviated to TIKA. Um, it's a church in Scuba, Japan, about 40 minutes out of Tokyo. We will be serving under missionaries Chris and Lindsay Carter. While we're there, we will be assisting in media ministry, children's ministry, and one of our main focuses will be building an outreach ministry towards a local orphanage. They've been um, 
talking and building a relationship with this orphanage um, recently in the past couple months. And the doors have been open for them to be able to go and pursue that and do more ministry with them, but they don't have the manpower right now. It is the literal embodiment of the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Uh, whenever we talk about Japan, people usually ask us, why Japan? Why did you guys choose Japan? Why did you feel called to Japan? Um, but God did a lot of great things in our life um, that have led us straight to Japan. Uh, for me specifically, I actually come from a past of abuse, and that abuse uh, led me to work really hard to try to earn my parents' love and attention. Um, I was always struggling to be the best and excel at everything, and that's really similar to Japanese culture. Um, but I got to go to youth camp when I was 14, and that's when I heard about God's love and how I didn't have to struggle to earn his love, uh, how his love is unconditional and it fills us completely. Uh, so once I became a Christian, I felt called to study missions um, and be a missionary. I didn't know where yet, um, but I went to Campbellsville University, and I had two Japanese roommates my first year. Um, and that was when I was praying for God to lead me and show me where he was calling me. And I got to talk with my roommates about their families and their culture and their religion. Um, and in Japan, culture expects you to be absolutely perfect. Um, the My roommates, they were like in their 20s, but they were saying that if they ever made a mistake, like their family might disown them. They had to be perfect. Um, they were afraid of not being perfect and that caused them to have a lot of hopelessness in their lives um, and a lot of pressure. So whenever they explained that to me, I felt like that really related to me because of my past and how I was always struggling to be perfect uh, for my family. So I started to research Japan and the culture and that's when I realized that God was using um, bad things from my life for good and he was gonna use the hopelessness that I had felt to bring hope to people. Another way that God led us to Japan was through a class that we were taking. The class was called Global Christianity and it basically just talked about Christianity around the world, throughout history, different spiritual awakenings, and things of that nature in other countries. And that's when we really started to dig into Japan and learn more about Japan. And we found out that Japan was about 1% Christian, which is almost a misleading statistic, though, because out of the 1% of Christians in Japan, 0.7 of that 1% are the non-Japanese people living in Japan, which means out of the 121 million Japanese people living in Japan, only 0.3 of a percent are Christian. The nation of Japan has never been reached, and that just like that burdened us, and we felt that, and we also have felt a specific call for the youth of Japan. A lot of the youth of Japan, they don't understand their identity, they don't know their purpose, why they exist. And further still, a lot of them wish that they didn't exist. And that's just really burdened us. And there's a lack of hope amongst the youth of Japan. And we believe that Jesus is the God of all hope and he fills the holes in our life. Um, kind of a story about the hopelessness in Japan. We actually got to go to Japan this past summer so we were there for two weeks, and we were working with Tika, the church that we're going to go back to, um, and we got to host a VBS slash English camp. So it was a really great experience to be working with young kids, um, but a lot of these kids, like, had never really been to church. They were coming to church just for the English camp, 
Um, and so we used the Bible to help us to te teach English to them while we were there. Uh, and the picture above, uh, the little boy, his name is Tomoki, and he was a really sweet boy. Um, we really grew to love him throughout the week. But uh, we were playing some games throughout the week, and Tomoki's team lost, and he was absolutely devastated. Um, and I think for me, that was when I really saw um, the hopelessness in the eyes of a Japanese child because he was crying and weeping and telling me that he wasn't good, he wasn't worthy, like he wasn't perfect. Um, and that's not like a normal child interaction when they just lose a game. Um, this completely wrecked him. So um, he didn't feel good enough because he wasn't perfect. and. As we all know, nobody's perfect. Um, so getting to talk with him through those feelings and help him to understand that it's okay, he's not perfect, um, and explaining like God is perfect for us. Um, it was just crazy to be able to see these statistics and these facts that we've been researching and learning come to life in the eyes of so many of the children that we um, had the experience of being with. So with all this said, we invite you to join the McCoins. Um, <laughs> there are several ways you can join us. Uh, one, you can uh, follow us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash join the McCoins. Very easy to remember. And just keep up with our progress that way. Another way, um, the most important way, is through prayer. Be in prayer that we can make it to Japan swiftly. Be in prayer for the hearts of the people of Japan. Uh, be in prayer for people to be called to Japan, and then also be in prayer for native Japanese pastors to be raised up so that they can further reach the people of Japan. Um, another way you can join us is by supporting us financially, whether that's through one-time gifts or supporting us monthly. Help us invest in the youth of Japan and help us invest in the future of Japan. So I would like to leave you all uh, with a Bible verse that God has placed on our hearts while we were in Japan. Um, it talks about God giving us hope and that hope in our lives being through the Holy Spirit. So. Doka nozomi no kamiga shinko karakuru arayuru yorokobito heian to o anatagata ni mitashi sere no chikara niote. Anatagata o nozomi ni afure sasete kudasaru yoni. Thank you. Josiah, will you get them two chairs and bring out here, please? Yeah, get them a chair apiece. We're getting you where you can see. We, we, this is a, a sloped floor. Okay. So uh, when they originally built this church, the church was just the basement, mm -hmm. and this was the roof. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, then. Yeah, then they built this on in 1969 and put all this up here, and that's why it's sloped is because this was the roof before. So you're actually standing and sitting on the roof today, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Church on the roof. Maybe who would have known? Um, so I want I want to just open it up uh, and allow some interaction here uh, from the crowd to 
my coins. And I, I was thinking, like, is that like a big mic? You know, it's like a <laughs> Mick chicken. So it's like Mick coins. So, uh, you know, it's a McCoin. It's like McDonald's version of coins. <laughs> and my mind just started racing everywhere when I saw that a minute ago. So join the McCoins. Uh, hopefully, if we say it enough, you guys will remember it. <laughs> join the McCoins. And we do want you to do that on Facebook. And we, um, we're we so uh, grateful for them coming. But I wish Mackenzie and uh, Latham was there this morning. And he brought Carver and, and Laney down to Vanceburg campus early this morning. But... Uh, uh, our, our missions directors uh, wasn't able to meet them, and, but uh, they'll be back. We will get them back uh, before they go for sure and spend some time with them. Hopefully during missions conference this year, we're going to try to uh, allow them to come in. But I just want to open it up for questions. So uh, if you guys want to ask them a question, you can ask a question and uh, they'll answer. Or if they don't know the answer, they'll just say, I don't know, right? We, they reserve that right to say, I don't know. Uh, I'm doing that for them. That way they don't get put on the spot. You ask them whatever, they say, I don't know. Pastor said I could say it. So, questions? Josiah, you got a question for them? No? No questions? Somebody needs to. Dennis, ask them a question. <laughs> <laughs> it's because she's not very friendly, right, Pat? That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody ask a question. Sandy, you got a question. Um, so the way that the process works is we're going as missionary associates. Um, so the most time that we can spend this time is two years. Um, and after the two years that we're there, we can come back um, and either apply to go back as missionary associates, which would be another two years, or as career missionaries, which is usually four to five years. Um, so you have to come back so that you can raise uh, more kind of like awareness and support um, and let people know what you've been up to in those last two years. Um, but I think wh what we're planning to do right now, which could change depending on where we go and what um, God does in those two years, but we're planning on doing these two years, coming back and applying for career missions because um, we feel called to be in Japan for our lifetime. So um, some people go several times as missionary associates for two years, but usually after you've gone once as a missionary associate, you can apply um, as a career missionary and go back for longer. But this is our first time going for two years. We went for two weeks this past summer, um, and then we'll go for two and come back and see how long we can go again. Right. Um, before we can go, um, we have to raise a cash amount of $20,000 and then monthly support of around $4,000. And we have two years to raise that. And once we raise that, even if it's not been two years, we can go. 
um, as soon as we get it, essentially. Um, but we've just recently begun our process. This is, like you said, this is the first church that we've been to besides our own, and we are very blessed to be here today. Um, we have a, like, yeah, about 4,700 currently. Um, but we only have about 170 in monthly currently. Um, as people give more towards monthly, it can kind of funnel into our cash budget as well. So um, the easiest way for me to think of it is like since we have the 4,000 in monthly, if we raise all of that completely, then it can start going towards the cash budget. So we could potentially raise as quickly as like five months to be there. Um, but of course that's a lot of money. It's a, a lot all at once. Um, but we just started in November and we're about a fifth of the way there, so making progress, but yeah. Uh, well, we definitely still have a lot to learn. Um, we've been we've been studying for about a year now, or a little over a year. Um, so we know a lot of basic stuff, and we can like read some of it. Um, we are definitely nowhere near fluent. Is a uh, is a dream of mine to be fluent. I definitely want to be fluent one day, but um, it's something that we're working towards. Um, Japanese has three different languages, alphabets. or I said uh, <laughs> language alphabets, um, and some of their words combine letters from each of the alphabets. So, like the first two are pretty basic; it's just memorization of what that letter represents. But then the third one is like a picture in the characters. So, like one thing could mean an entire word and they combine all of that into their sentence structure. So it's a lot of memorization and repetition. Um, but when we get to Japan, some of this budget will also help us to have language school while we're there. So we've started on our own with our own teacher for the last year, but we'll also be in language school while we're there. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me, um, like at, shortly after I became a Christian, I knew that I was called to missions. Uh, I didn't know where, but I was in high school, and the only options that we had for like language credits was Spanish or German, and I was in Spanish class, and I thought maybe I'm going to go to a Hispanic speaking country. Um, so I actually went to Costa Rica for two weeks um, my s between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. Um, so I, w I went and I was with a group there through an organization called Servant Life, which is a missions organization. Um, but when I was there, I, I didn't feel like that was home. Like I, I knew that what I was doing was good and helping with missions was good, but that's when God changed like the direction that I was going, and then that next year was when I had my Japanese roommates. So I had thought that maybe I was going to be going to a Hispanic-speaking country, um, but you really just gotta listen to where God's calling you and what he wants you to do, because I could have gone anywhere, but 
the fact that he put uh, my roommates in my life and their their culture um, was so similar to things that had happened in my past. Um, I think it's just really important if you ever feel a call to be a missionary just to continue to listen to God's voice because sometimes things change and they change for the better. God's always going to lead you to where you need to be. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, no, Japan was the first place that I felt called. I did not feel called to missions until I was in college. Um, it's while, like, while we were taking that class, um, it really started to get laid on my heart. So he just kind of led us in the same direction, which was really cool. Yes. Um, for me, like, I felt this huge tug towards the nations, just towards the world. Like, I knew I was supposed to go. Um, and if anybody else is feeling a tug on their heart uh, because of what we're talking about, specifically for Japan or any other country, um, just continue spending time with God and praying and asking him to lead you. Um, but don't be afraid to take steps in faith because, um, like, I went to Costa Rica. I didn't know if that was where I was supposed to go, but God continued to lead me through those experiences. Um, so continue to, to pray and really seek God, and even if you don't know where you're called to, if you're feeling a tug on your heart, it's placed there for a reason. So continuing to listen to God and seeking um, out wisdom from your pastors and from your friends, like sharing that experience with them, really helps you to understand what God's doing in your life. You guys have any other questions? It can be something silly, too, or anything about Japan. I might not know everything about Japan. <laughs> Only been for two weeks, but, <laughs> yeah, if you have anything. See, I don't think that we're allowed to go until we have all of the funds. So what were you right. going to say? The, the, the 20000 um, that we have to raise ahead of time is um, is like already budgeted out. So it's like for the flight there and back and one-time things. And like they already know where that's going to go. Um, if people that, we, that were supporting us monthly were to stop, um, we could either like just try to connect with more people. Uh, it'd have to be like online or something because we're there, or we would have to come back and try to raise more funds. Mm-hmm. Um. Honestly, I'm not exactly sure with that because I know um, language school will take a lot of our time, um, a lot of our free time because we'll do the ministry stuff. Um, I like to play games. Um, Aaron revealed at the last service that I'm a nerd to everyone, so I guess I'll do it here. Um, so 
I would like to maybe find some like easy child Japanese manga and try to help that improve my reading skills in Japanese. What? I mean, that's not the only thing I'm interested in. <laughs> but that's in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, okay, so Aaron wants me to mention Pokemon specifically, um, which I actually, I want to, I'll tell a story real quick about uh, the kid Tomoki we were talking about and the thing. Uh, Tomoki didn't really speak any English. So, but I had Pokemon Go on my phone. And so I would... I asked. I was able to ask him in Japanese if he liked Pokemon, and he said yes. So I would go through and show him things, and um, and then he had this little clay that he would play with, and then he would make the things that I was showing him, and it was cool to be able to communicate with him that way. And in the Japanese language, um, a lot of the times the if go is at the end of a word then it's like language. So like Nihon is the Japanese word for Japan. So Nihongo is the Japanese language. Chugoku is the Japanese word for China. So Chugoku Go is um, Chinese language. And Eigo is the English language. So the Tomoki spoke Nihongo and I spoke uh, Eigo, but we were both able to communicate through Pokemon Go. <laughs> I'm gonna give you back the mic now. <laughs> I'm taking this away. <laughs> um, just traveling in general, like I like traveling. And when we were in Japan, um, the town that we were in is called Tsukuba, and it's at the it's like the first stop on a train route, um, and the train goes all the way through Tokyo. So we got to do a lot of traveling um, whenever we had free time while we were there. So I'd like to do more of that. But yeah, he specifically really likes all the games and Pokemon, and I recently got into Pokemon Go just because of him. Um, but just kind of exploring and making friends and things um, and seeing different interests of the culture, I think, is what we want to do. And cooking, like I really want to learn about Japanese cooking, and that's why we were trying to show you guys uh, the cooking show. Okay, and see if it works. Okay, yeah, it's really fun. Um, I like cooking in general here, but like they have tons of different methods and different types of foods to cook. Um, one of my favorite things, they have um, things called bento boxes. I'm sure that you guys have had something similar to that. Um, but they have them at like gas stations. So I liked, we went to Shortstop, is that what it's called? It was kind of similar. <laughs> like <laughs> we, you can just go in and order whatever you want or they have these to-go boxes of really good fresh fruit and I'd like to learn how to make some of that stuff, so. Right, that was a good experience. <laughs> we had milkshakes, it was great. <laughs> they do, I was so happy they had McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, the menu's actually really similar. Um, so they have some like different side options, like um, they have like corn as an option or rice, like steamed rice, instead of just french fries. They did have french fries and salads. Um, their chicken nuggets were not nuggets. They were like chicken sticks, like chicken fries. Don't know why, but it was still good. Um, and then in different places in Japan, like different regions, they have specific um, burgers. So they have like specialty burgers. What was it called? The Loco Moco? Loco Moco. It was at one of the places that we went. But most of the food is the same. Like I had a double cheeseburger. Um, it tasted a little bit different, like 
not as greasy. I'm not downing McDonald's. I love <laughs> McDonald's, but <laughs> it was just like a little bit fresher tasting. Um, their Cokes tasted different too. So like some things taste different even if they are the same, but I was just happy that they had McDonald's. They had a lot of McDonald's and they have KFC. We shared that with the group before. Um, somebody had, I think it was you in the back. Yeah, you had mentioned um, you had a Japanese friend that ate Kentucky Fried Chicken all the time. Well, in, K in uh, Japan, it's actually tradition to get KFC chicken on Christmas and eat it with your family. So we were trying to tell people where we were from and we kept saying, yeah, we're from Kentucky. And they're like, what, where? And we said, KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And they started laughing and they were like, oh, <laughs> and they were all just so happy so <laughs> yeah they have similar foods um, but a lot of different like fish based foods too anybody have any other questions how long is it yeah so they had 20 stops you can get off on any of the stops um, we didn't go straight from stop one all the way to stop 20 we got off on several stops to go explore. Um, how long would you say the entire ride would be? I think going from stop one to stop 20, because I think we rode on the way back, we rode from 20 all the way back to one. And I think it might be like 40, 50 minutes total because um, 13 of the stops are in Tokyo. The first seven are like sort of in between. Um, and it was very uh, prompt and efficient. So you'd get there, the doors would open, they'd be open for not very long. Ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. It was like, so around six or seven in the morning is like the rush hour, everybody's trying to get to work. And then Japan's work days are actually really long. Like you could work from 7 a.m. to like 10 p.m. Um, and that's a whole nother reason why we feel called to Japan. Like people are so consumed by working and um, their culture is so consumed by like having to be perfect and having to do the right thing, um, like for their family, that nobody tries to not work that long. Um, there's actually a word in Japanese called kuroshi. Um, it means dying from overworking. Like, people will have heart attacks and die because they're not taking care of themselves. They're just going to work every single day and coming home. Um, and when we were on the train on the way back to the church, it was really late. We had been exploring all day and having fun. Um, but there was, a, like, the etiquette on the train is to not talk to anyone and just kind of look at the floor. Um, so when we were out in the morning starting our... Um, exploration for the day. I was staring at the floor and staring at people's socks because I didn't know what else to do. Um, and there was a guy in front of us that had these really like bright colored socks. And I was like, his socks are really cool. That's weird. Um, but at the very end of the day, when we were coming home, that same guy was on the train riding all the way back because I recognized his socks. He had been at work all day long and we had been out exploring and having fun but it was like 10 o'clock and we were heading back home. So he, he was on his last train back from work going home. And he had been out from like 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And it's also culturally 
expected that you spend time with your coworkers. So if you get off work at like 9 or 10 p.m., you go out with your coworkers and then you go home. So the family culture in Japan is really hard and they don't really have relationships with each other because the dad is like constantly working. A lot of times now women are working too, so children are kind of left on their own. Their after school programs end at like 6 or 7 p.m when parents can come maybe on their like dinner break to pick them up. So it's just a very different culture. Um, and we just really feel called to help captivate and help people um, get out of, not captivate, <laughs> help the captivated be set free is what someone was saying earlier. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, um, our video I think has loaded. So this is us speaking in Japanese, um, doing a cooking show. Let's see if it works. みなさん、こんにちは。私は これはご飯です。では、始めましょう。できました。いい匂いですね。美味しそう。はい、どうぞ。いただきます。おいしいですね。ありがとうございます。うん。今日は寿司を作りました。ありがとうございました。バイバイ。またね。Applied language right there. Our uh, our Japanese teacher was excited for that one because she had sent us that little ditty was from an old Japanese actual cooking show. So she really wanted us to use it. Um, it depends. Some of it's good. Some of it's weird. Um, even like my favorite Japanese dish that I had while I was over there. Um, it's called katsudan, and it's like, um, it's either chicken or pork, and it's made with like eggs, and it's over rice or whatnot, but they also put like some like liquid in there that has like fishy flakes in it, so it has a fishy taste, so it's like, it's really good, but then sometimes the fish taste is just like, uh, why are you here? <laughs> um, but, uh, so there's a lot of stuff to get used to, but the food is still really good. The food is like, <laughs> it's mostly fish, or they have chicken and beef and pork too, um, but most meals are centered around fish and like vegetables and rice. They eat like a lot of stir fry type meals. Um, and when we were there, we had stir fry like almost every night. Probably. But they also have like pizza places and McDonald's and KFC and different options like that. Um, and you can buy anything at home and make it however you want to as well. I think we made walking tacos one day. 
yeah, we had tacos, so <laughs> different things like that. Um, me, I'm not like a huge fan of like sushi. Like, I, I think it's sashimi where you have like the raw fish on top and then the rice under. And they bought that for us for lunch, and that was all that they bought for lunch. <laughs> and I was like, mm, yay. <laughs> but then we had leftovers for dinner, and I was like, cool, I'm just not gonna eat today. <laughs> so sometimes, like, I don't know, it's just getting used to the flavors and the different tastes. And I think the longer that we're there, um, we'll get used to it more often. Yes, the McDonald's does have hamburgers. Like, I had a double cheeseburger there, and it was fine. Um, and I had French fries. So they have similar meals um, and similar restaurants that have stuff similar to back here. And they had, like, Starbucks and different things like that. So, um, yeah, but it's just, like, the home-cooked meals. Like, I don't really know how to cook sushi other than what we just did on there. But that was still, like, a... Americanized sushi <laughs> roll, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we'll get used to it. Right. <laughs> well, preparing it, <laughs> yeah. Um, the um the way their water is built you're billed for incoming and outgoing water. So, um, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So, like, we had to be, like, mindful of how much we used. So, like, even, like, flushing the toilet, like, you're charging, you're getting charged for the water coming in and the water going out. I think it's still pretty similar. Um, when we were in Japan for the two weeks, we were staying at the church um, that we were working at, and the missionaries are American, so we didn't get to really see the family lifestyle, but from teaching, or sorry, from having our lessons from our teacher, she has kind of explained it that way to us as well. They had toilet paper available. Um, I think the main thing is just people think about being conservative and not using a lot. Um, can you think of any experiences? Right. I mean, it's not the same vein, but like even when the Japanese people like go out, uh, let's say they're having a picnic at the park, they won't throw their garbage away in the garbage cans at the park. They will keep their garbage and bring it home and wait to throw it away. Because they don't want to, like yeah, they don't want to dirty the garbage can basically because yeah. it's not theirs. Yeah. So they're just very mindful, um, just mindful of others and like taking care of their own stuff. Yeah. So 
our teachers the same way because even though she's even though our teacher is here in America, um, we'll have because we met her through um, the Frankfurt Japan Club, and uh, in Frankfurt, and she'll have like meetings and stuff where we come together and talk about culture and stuff, and she'll make food, and she will just dump everything, the plates with scraps on it, into her cooler when we're done, and then she takes it home. She won't throw it away at the garbage can at the library. And they have um, like sorting and recycling way different than here. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I kind of forgot too. Um, they have burnable garbage, like where they have burnable garbage, they have compost, they have specific bottles that they recycle. Um, so the actual waste that they make is very minimal because they're recycling almost all of it or using it for compost. And I thought that was, that was amazing and interesting, but we just don't have that here. Um, so anywhere you go in a public place, they have bins that have labeled which kind of garbage you should put into those bins. So nobody ever just dumps their garbage in a garbage can. You have to sort through all your stuff and throw it all away. Um, and then like once a week, they have somebody come and gather up all your burnable garbage and once a month, they burn it. So I thought that was really interesting. I don't know, because we... It, know. It's expensive, and the speed limit is very slow. <laughs> That's something that surprised me. All throughout, uh, all throughout Scuba, it's about... Uh, it was in kilometers, but it would be about 35 miles an hour in the entire town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people walk everywhere, or they use their bikes. So, um, like the church that we were at, they had two cars, but they were given to them through Speed the Light. So they were able to use that to bring more people to the churches or like go out and get a bunch of stuff for camp and things like that. Um, they have an orchard project they're doing right now. So they're able to go buy little like saplings and trees and put them in their vans. But yeah, a lot of Japanese people will use um, like buses, trains, walk, or use your bike. Not many people have cars. Yes, they do. Really? Wow, they had them when we were there. Yeah, people still <laughs> held out their hands, so that's really interesting now. It's all connecting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor pipe. Poor pipe. <laughs> Why do you sit with that guy, Pap? I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I was looking up the numbers uh, this morning when he was sharing, and it's the way my brain works. I'm sorry, but he said 121 million people in in Japan, and it's a it's an island. It's not real, real big. I mean, it's not a big place, and 121 million people is like there's there's 330 to 350 million people in America. And it would be like putting a third of all of Americans onto one little segment, like one little state, not even the state of Kentucky, and, and piling us all together. It's just, they're mashed together, and it's crazy. But the 121 million, he said only uh, 0.3 of a percent, which is a third of a percent, is not very much, 
So I've done that math. I've 121 million times 0 0.003 equals 363,000 people. So out of the 121 million people, only 363,000 of them are Christian. And that is scary. That's the stuff that he says speaks to your heart that says, unless I go, who will? And that's the call of God sometimes on us. That's the call of God in our break rooms at work where you go. And we can be missionaries to our own hometown uh, here. So I looked at it in, in Lewis County language. Okay, let's say uh, the 2010 census said there's 13,835 people in Lewis County. If you times that by .003, that's actually 41 people. So if we would compare our where we live to where they live, out of all 13,000 people in Lewis County, almost 14,000, only 41 of them would be Christian. It's just, that's mind-boggling to me, right? That we got churches on every corner. There's 73 listed in the Lewis County paper in Lewis County, 73 churches. So that means there would only be one person for every two churches in our county as a Christian if we do it in comparison to them. And what a mission they've got. Amen? It's, it's awesome that they're taking that opportunity. Mostly just for the Americans on base, like the military. We support missionaries there already that are on base at the, at the military site. But they're going out into the actual Japan versus... Uh, there is a few, but not a lot. It's not many. And like they were saying this morning, you know, there's 20 stops between there and Tokyo, and they're looking the church that they're going to. The pastor's vision is to have a church at every stop. It kind of sounds like multi-site Vanceburg, <laughs> Kentucky Heights. It kind of sounds like what we do. Uh, so we're anxious about uh, that opportunity, and you never know. Uh, maybe it'll be a Bethesdaite that feels the call of God because missionaries coming by, and maybe it's Jillian that goes and takes off for Japan as a missionary, and, and maybe she'll be the pastor of one of those churches. Uh, we never know. We never know. And all we got to do is hear and do. It's pretty simple. Hear, do.